Hello and welcome to Insights, the podcast with your host, Joe Parnay. Join me in this deep exploration of our personal journeys from ambition to meaning, where we stop living life fast and start living life deep. This is a journey of waking up and realizing that our lives have never been about us, but about others. True success leaves positive ripple effects on other souls. I believe that success needs to be redefined from our own personal ambitious endeavors to be redefined as the value that we leave and give to others around us. Join me now as we begin this journey to deeper connections, even more fulfillment, some fun, curiosity, life, love, and all good things. Your deeper journey from ambition to meaning starts right now. G'day and welcome to episode eight. Joe here. If you can detect a slight cold in my voice, excuse me. It's been going for about 10 days and hopefully it'll be over very, very soon. Hope you're all well. I thought today in this episode we would talk about how having a great life is having the courage to make a handful of courageous decisions. I believe that where we all find ourselves is due to an accumulation of a handful of courageous decisions that we've either made or not made, that we've either made and acted through or not made and not acted through at all. I was thinking about this um, quite a while ago, actually, going back to Christmas last year. And I was thinking, you know, if your past self was peering into your life today, how would it feel? Excited? Delighted? Relieved? Disappointed? Depressed? Frustrated? Or perhaps even a blend of all of those? We recently had a a dozen or so people over for a very long lunch, and that was at Christmas last year. And I loved, it was one of those perfect days, and uh, it was one of those 24, 25 degree, blue sky, windless, just perfect days. And uh, I gave myself a moment to observe the day from afar um, whilst I was right amongst it. So I was was sitting back, this is after a few hours of a couple of nice wines and uh, enjoying each other's company. We had a couple of friends over, but mainly family, uh, mainly my parents and my wife's parents. And I won't bore you with all the details, but family. And observing, I was sitting back in this corner of the of the um, backyard, observing where we live. I was observing our beautiful sons, the the great people that we are surrounded by. Um, I was observing our lifestyle. I I thought to myself, my past self would be thrilled, you know, for uh, for what uh, he be seeing now. Uh, the question I ask myself is, if my past self had access to this moment, knowing what this moment contains, its history, its experience, its knowledge, its perspective, how would my past self feel? Well, as I just mentioned, I'm happy to say my past self will be thrilled. Now, I'm not here to carry on about uh, how great my life is, but I just want to show you something because we'll share with you something that I hope is of value to you. And it's this, that my past self, say when I was about 20 years old, used to dream of this future, a future with a great woman, kids, living in one of my favorite suburbs in Melbourne, I reckon the best city in the world, uh, and doing something for a living which was amazing, a privilege, meaningful, something that I'd feel great doing. And when I was 20, I had absolutely no idea what that even meant. Sometimes I feel I've done nothing to deserve this great life. True story. Uh, However, when I look closely, I can now see what has led me 
here to have what I have and become what I, who I've become and, and who I'm continuing to become. And it comes down to what I said at the very beginning of this podcast. It comes down to a handful of courageous decisions. And that's what this, this podcast is about. A courageous decision is when we hit the pause button in life and know that we need to change direction. We need to wake up and make a different decision. It's a decision which takes us out of our comfort zone. It's when we know we are heading in the wrong direction. How do we know? Our feelings are guiding us. Our heart tells us. Our values tell us. Our values are our emotional compass. And when we're heading in the wrong direction, our hearts, our values, our emotional compass will give us that feedback. We just simply emotionally will not feel great. We'll be inconsistent. We'll be all over the place, generally not feeling great at all. I can, dis- I can actually distinctly remember, and I want to share with you, and hopefully this is of use to you, there's about four or five courageous decisions, a handful, just four or five. I'm 49 now at the age of, um, at the age of 49, I'm 49 years of, years of age at the, at the point of this recording now with you in this uh, episode eight of Insights. And it's only been four, maybe five decisions in my life that have led me to where I am today. And if it's okay with you, I would love to share them with you and translate these over into your own life. Um, I can distinctly remember these 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 decisions, um, which on the outside might not seem like, like such a big deal, but on an emotional level, it was a big deal to me. I remember that these were decisions I felt I had to make. I was either going to squeeze life or it was going to squeeze me. And I didn't want to live my life by default. And listen to this very carefully, by default. I didn't want to do what a lot of people have done. What I've seen through my coaching and training practice and what I've been doing with all my work is I've seen so many people live in their life by default, where they fall into their careers, they fall into the family business, they fall into that relationship, they fall into life and just go on default. In other words, whatever cards, as the metaphor says, whatever cards they've been served, they just accept them. No question, no decisions, no action. It's just, that's just how it is. And I was not going to lead my life by default. What led to my first courageous decision was when I was in my second year at uni. This is back in like 88, 1988, studying, I was studying a bachelor's degree in organic chemistry, specializing in food, science, and technology. Oh my Lord. It takes a lifetime just to say what the degree even is. Anyway, Thursdays, I remember Thursdays because Thursdays was the longest day of the week in that, in that year. We would start at 11 a.m. and would finish up at about 8.30 p.m. at night. Now, for uni, that's a long day. Um, and, we're, and then we would spend the last three hours working in a lab, two stories below the ground, in the bowels of the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology over in Swanson Street here in Melbourne. It was truly awful. Well, for me, it was anyway. It was such a sterile environment, which took me far away from all of the humans. <laughs> I remember this. It was, and, and the hallway there was concreted and long and cold. It was one night when we were standing there making snap chips, snack chips. We're actually making chips from scratch. I felt so lowly, I'd almost say I was depressed. To be clear, it wasn't the environment that was making me depressed. It was my thoughts about the environment that were making me feel depressed. Something to think about. My thought was, is this it? Is this where I am going to spend the rest of my life? Two more years at RMIT, and then what? Work with tubes, Bunsen burners, and centrifuges? Is that it? You know, like, I remember thinking this. I only knew um, one thing and that that what it was is that I didn't want to do this for another year, let alone the rest of my life. The next question was, so then what? What will you do then? 
It was an off-the-cuff remark from a fellow student who said to me, and get this, this is one of those simple things that can change the direction of your life. And this person said to me, you don't seem to be into things. You're more into people. This person said to me, there are two kinds of people. People who are into people and people who are into things. And the people who love working down here are into things. You're not a things person. You're a person person. You're into people. So what are you doing here? And I remember that's such a simple thing. Are you into people or into things? Just because you're into things doesn't mean you don't care about people. It's just that you love working with things. It's such an amazing, simple thing. And the decision to change the direction of my uni life began percolating just from that one comment. People. What's the closest, I was thinking, what's the closest thing to studying people? And I thought, psychology. How obvious. But it wasn't obvious until it was said to me. After talking to people in the field of psychology, I was referred to a highly regarded academic psychologist who specializes in the areas of well-being, quality of life, and happiness. His name was Dr. Bob Cummins from Deakin University. He's been interviewed on 60 Minutes. He's well known in his research of quality of life and happiness. And I called him. I introduced myself and asked if I could go and see him just for five minutes or so, just to ask for some advice. And after traveling via two train lines following, you know, and then a long walk up this hill, I had to, you know, make my time with Dr. Cummins really worth it. And I got together with him in these five or 10 minutes and I pleaded my case. I just shared with him my dilemma and I asked a simple question. What did I have to do to transfer from science to RMI, from, from my science degree in RMIT over to him? What would it take? I tried connecting with him by sharing that my happiness was at stake. <laughs> Luckily, that comment was received with a little chuckle. Thank God for that. <laughs> I rode those trains and I walked up that hill to see him six more times until finally, luckily, he opened the doors for me and I got in. Leaving RMIT and creating a relationship with Bob Cummins, I would regard as my first courageous decision. I had to press pause on life. I had to press the pause button on life and really, you know, consciously make a decision to take some action because it wasn't going well for me. The irony was that during my three years at Deakin University studying psychology and sociology, I never saw Bob Cummins again. Amazing. Never saw and haven't seen him since. Isn't that incredible? I think maybe once I might have passed him in the hallways, if that. My next courageous decision was a few years later. When I got a job working in the world of, in the world of rehabilitation, I was working as a rehab counselor. Um, but before I got to that space, my next courageous decision, I remember as I was finishing my studies, I met a fellow, another doctor, uh, called Dr. Tim, Tim Driscoll in 1994, in my last term at uni. Um, and I and the, the job market was sparse. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do for a living other than, you know, maybe go and get a job not related to my degree because I couldn't find anything related to my degree. They needed people with real-world experience. And I didn't have any real-world experience. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, what happened was uh, this fellow, Dr. Tim Triscoll, um, was um, interviewing people, students, in fact, that he wanted to hire for about six months to help him with research into work-related fatalities. And to successfully be, recru be recruited, we had to be able to handle the one thing I had very little exposure to, and that was death. To be successful in applying, we had to travel up to Sydney, where we would spend a day training at the city morgue. I remember this. The most confronting part of the day and experience I will always remember was when we were exposed to a room with about 20 bodies, which were fresh. I remember they were referred to as fresh. 
And all these bodies, only a day or so earlier, were people living full, normal lives who had no clue that that was where they were going to end up within 24 hours, where their bodies were anyway. Incredible. To say that this was a perspective-shifting experience is the gross understatement. The first body I saw was of a man, similar age to me back then, about 24, who had a motorbike accident. I actually don't have a word to describe how I even felt. I do remember thinking how he, like me, just the day before, was living his life like me, and now he's dead, just like that. This developed in me a profound sense of gratitude for being alive. There is also a deep profundity that our lives are like a game being played without a stop clock. This young man didn't know his stop clock was going to go off soon, just like all of us. That's another thought to ponder on, is that we're living a game where we don't know when the stop clock's going to go tick, right? So the purpose of this visit was to see how we could handle the face of death as we would be spending the next six months pouring through hundreds of files which all contained photos of people's demises. I had just made my second courageous decision and that is to apply for this job and I ended up getting that job and that was all fine and well and that job led me to a job, another job, which was in the world of rehabilitation counseling working at Ford Motor Company. And that was um, an incredible experience, but also an experience where I got to experience the real-life politics of a manufacturing industry. This is back in the 90s where it was just really difficult to work in those conditions where people had all these ulterior motives and agendas. I had a caseload of people that I was meant to be helping. I was was labelled a rehabilitation counsellor, and yet I couldn't get any any results because um, there was about five or six people involved in every case, and all of them had different agendas pointing in different directions. You know, I'd have the medical center with their agenda. I'd have the shop steward with his agenda. I'd have the insurer with their agenda. I'd have the area manager with their agenda, the local manager with their agenda. I was just ridiculous. And I remember thinking, well, I'm working with people. Excuse me again, guys, sorry. I remember thinking I'm working with people, but this is not the way I want to work with people. And I remember my next courageous decision was when I left the world of rehab counseling And I began a career in residential real estate sales. My Lord, something completely different. My family flipped. I remember people being really surprised at my decision. And I went and worked for a father-son business for the next seven years in the world of real estate. The world of real estate was amazing because I got to learn so much about life, about people, and about people's lives and what was going on and real-life exposure to people and their everyday experiences. It was incredible. I met some amazing people. I met some really strange people. I met some people that were horrible, uh, but mostly people who were beautiful. And uh, that introduced me into the world of personal development. And I remember after about five years of those seven years, I was getting bored. And my next courageous decision was to take some time off and go on a sabbatical. And I went on a sabbatical for many, many months, about 15 months. And I won't bore you with the details of all that, but I did lots of amazing things, amazing experiences you know, going and doing these uh, silent retreats, vision quests, meditation retreats. It was quite incredible. It was an incredible experience. I was running out of money. I went back into real estate. I couldn't stand it anymore because there was no more growth in it left for me. And my next courageous decision was leaving that place and starting my own coaching business. I went and applied and enrolled in a diploma of life coaching course and studied that and then became a coach and began my own business. And the, and, and, and what the point I want to make, guys, is I'm 49 years of age and there's only about four courageous decisions that I consciously had to press the pause button in life to make happen. 
And once those decisions were made, it changed the trajectory, the trajectory, say that word fast 10 times, of the direction of my life. And as I'm sitting there last Christmas, observing my life, asking myself the question, would your past self be happy with what it's experiencing right now? With the answer being yes, absolutely, would be thrilled. I believe it's because of these courageous decisions. And most people in life don't make these decisions because they have got all kinds of fears. You know, fears of not being enough, fears of not being worthy, fears of being judged, fears of being ridiculed, fears of being misunderstood. All these fears. And what I found was um, I, I can't stress strongly enough or express to you clearly enough the importance of being loyal to what your soul says, to be loyal to what's in your heart, to be loyal to your values, to be loyal to what your soul's singing. And as I said, back then, going back 20 years ago, I had no clue where this was going to lead me. And now I've got this ridiculous life in a good way, in a great way, in a magical way, where I get to go and help people in a way that makes a difference. And all the things that go along with this, this uh, whole career of coaching and training, which I just am endeared with. So, and I'm endeared with the people that I've met along the way and the people that I'll continue to meet, hopefully. So I'm going to come to a close to today's session. There's quite a few things there that I've shared with you that I want you to ponder on. I don't want you to do anything. Whatever you want to choose to do is perhaps to ponder on. Is that, you know, back in those RMIT days below the ground in that, in that, um, in those, um, in that, you know, lab, I wasn't depressed because of the environment. My thoughts about the environment were depressing me. Think about that. Think about how someone said to me, you're into people or into things. What are you into, people or things? Just that one answer to that one question can change your life and your direction, especially if you're on the wrong wrong path, as in if you're into things and you're doing the people path, or if you're into things, sorry, if, you, if, you're, doing, um, if you're into things and you're doing the people path, you know, e- either way, make sure that's aligned. Courageous decisions are fearful. They're scary. My Lord, they're scary. Lots of tears, lots of uncertainty, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, the point I want to make today, guys, is that our lives are as a result of a handful of courageous decisions that we've either made or not made. And we're living the experience now of the accumulation of those decisions that have been made or not made. So I trust and hope that something that I've shared with you today inspires you in some way. And perhaps this is something that you can share with someone that you care about who maybe is confused at the moment, who is stuck in that proverbial fork in the road, who doesn't know which way to go. And a lot of people make the mistake that they won't go in any direction until they've worked it out. You know, there was another um, episode here called The Clarity Trap. I can't remember which episode that it was, but if you look up the one called The Clarity Trap, I'll go and explain that much more clearly in terms of that fork in the road and what we can do about it. So thanks so much for listening in. I trust you've enjoyed. I hope I haven't gotten too dark on you in this uh, episode. And excuse my voice and my cold. And look forward to hopping in here for episode nine next week. But in the meantime, enjoy your time, enjoy the rest of your day or your evening or your week. And thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it as I do every week. And talk again soon. Bye for now. Thanks, guys. I'm Joe Pane, and you've been listening to Insights, the podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can now follow my insights on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me and I'm looking forward to being with you again very soon in the next episode of Insights, the podcast.